Welcome back to the Doctor Who Flashcast. One last time for Series 10. This is Episode 12, The Doctor Falls. I'm Jason Snell. Joining me, rejoining me again one more time this season. It is James Thompson from Glasgow, Scotland. Hello, Scotland. Lots of Glaswegians involved in this episode Indeed. for the last time. Yes. Mark. Sadly, we're, we're going to lose lots of our Glaswegians. Um, but uh, yeah, that was an episode. That was an episode of Doctor Who, if ever there was one. It had the yeah. TARDIS and everything. Yeah. Um, I think between the two of us, we called pretty much everything that was going to happen in this, which I was I didn't think would happen. But um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. Well, so, yeah. I, I, so I, I should say I was like, I wanted to be on this episode because I was so jealous last week because um, that Last week's was one of the, the finest episodes that I can remember. Um, and so I was sort of, I have to be on the second half of this to see to see how this turns out to talk about. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think as with most two-parters, it's very hard to follow up a great first part with a second part that has to do all the heavy lifting of explaining how it all resolves. Well, um, yes. Uh, and I, 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 like you... I really enjoyed uh, World Enough in Time. I thought it was... I've watched it three times in the last week. <laughs> I, I have as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- I think what it what it did beautifully was it set up this sort of puzzle box, which is what Stephen Moffat does very well. You know, he has this whole thing worked out and you've got the time, you know, slower at one end of the ship than the other and yeah, how all the pieces fit together you're not sure uh and then in, yes as you say in the next episode he has to actually open the puzzle box um and then it doesn't quite work as well although i think there was a lot of good stuff in this okay uh we should we should break it down but i i agree i think i think this was good but it, it's it's almost not fair because the the initial episode has to um, doesn't have to do the work that the that the resolution does. So <laughs> it can do whatever it wants, and then the resolution has to lift, do a lot of heavy lifting. And we've we've seen like to the point of us being surprised. I mean, there are uh, there were rumors and spoilers, and I, I feel like you and I have have kind of gone cold turkey with the bad spoilers. But there's still stuff that was being. Um, broadly discussed sometimes spoiled by the bbc yes and and that mixed with a a showrunner where we have a track record of 10 years of him writing doctor who at this point 12 years really (laughs) of him writing doctor who you could guess what some of the big moments would be plot wise and we did and Yeah. yeah i think we were fairly right on about it but that's okay yeah um i think there was a lot of the uh, character interactions in this were better than necessarily the plot, um, which has been one of the hallmarks of this series, um, even though it has had a lot of high spots. Uh, and yeah, 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 definitely. Um, the uh, characters in the dialogue again sparkled, I thought here. And that is in the end, you know, 
I, I like fun plots and fun science fiction concepts and all of that. But if I had to choose between good science fiction concepts and plots and good characters and dialogue, I will choose characters and dialogue every time because who wants to watch a plot with bad characters and dialogue? It's not yes, fun. Indeed. So, um, in true Stephen Moffat fashion, I feel like as we're winding down here, one more hour of Doctor Who from him, maybe ever, um, there are tropes, there are, are tricks that he's got. I think he's a, a, an amazing writer. He's incredibly talented. He's quite imaginary, or imaginative. He's not imaginary. He's real. And, um, <laughs> I've met him. But he has tricks. He has tricks up his sleeve. That, he, that, that He's got moves that we know. And one of the moves is part two of, the, of a two-parter starts in an unexpected location. Hmm. And so with this, what we get is a horse and wagon on a green landscape with a bunch of Cybermen-like scarecrows. And we discover where this is the uh, floor 507 from which uh, nobody who's been sent has ever returned. And uh, and that's a, a, an interesting bit of tonal change. But of course, very quickly, a spaceship smashes through the floor, crashes down, and out of it emerges a Cyberman, presumably Bill, carrying the Doctor. And that's our, our cliffhanger. Yes. And you know that, you know, it's not quite uh, a completely different location because the space shotguns are glowing blue. Yeah. Um, but but yes, it's it's a an interesting opening. Um, and we have the. Uh, yes, we, we get our, our titles and then we have the, the Missy and the Master um, as starting the great interactions and right, have so them this is where we back up and now and now we are uh because Stephen Moffat likes his teasers that tell you something that's later in the story so yeah this is this is we finally get the two masters that we've all been waiting for and they're basically asking the doctor how many times he's died they list ways he's died I know you've fallen is a great line you get your Legopolis reference in there mm-hmm. and there's they're basically saying any requests because we're going to kill you now and um it's just a matter of of uh of how and just as with the last episode there's then a we had a flash forward basically and then what we would maybe call the present and then there's a flash back to the resolution of the cliffhanger from last week which is that the doctor is caught nardol runs um and uh and and so we just we get enough he gets he gets uh kind of uh zapped and gets tied up and that's about it and then we we then return to the doctor being mocked by the the two masters and of course missy is going all out to sort of out evil uh john sims master here which is quite a change from how we've seen her the last few episodes and that question lingers for the whole episode is where where is her head really right now yes and and the they the doctor asks where bill is and they said, you know, oh, it would be really cruel to tell you where she is. And they say, she's right behind you, which I think is a reference to Panto. Um, it, typically uh, in Britain, you, you get the, the Pantos and, and there would be with the, the, there would be the call to the audience and somebody would shout, they're right behind you. Uh-huh. So I, that's what I think that was or where they were going from. Going yeah, from. I didn't, I didn't get that because I don't have that that legacy i i thought you know maybe it's a little horror movie-esque but um yeah it's uh 
I asked last week when I was talking to Aline about like exactly what the timing was of when Bill was led into the conversion room and uh, what the master says, whether he's lying or not, because I thought it took more time to uh, recover from mm. those surgeries in the out room. But he says she was down there for 10 years and you missed her by two hours. And he's just trying to be as cruel as possible because that was his whole um, his whole plan. And, and this is where we get some dialogue directly addressing the end of time. Uh, in this case, Peter Capaldi basically says, you know, last time I saw you, you were going to Gallifrey. Um, he had been what he'd been zapped. He took the kind of energy zap and, and mm. went into the, where, uh, where Rassilon and the rest of the time Lords were in the end of time. And he said, well, you know, they patched me up and, and they kicked me out. And he took his TARDIS, or a TARDIS anyway, <laughs> to uh, to uh, this ship and got stuck. Um, and that that's the, you know, basically that was his society. And the reason that he was in disguise is because they, uh, you know, they started, everything started falling apart and he couldn't live like a king anymore. So there's the origin of the Cybermen here and the origin of uh, the, the societal decay and it all comes back to the master. Yeah. Uh, and we get the the doctor sort of basically saying, doing his whole, well, you know, you're not paying full attention here as the Cybermen start to come for the um, for the three of them, because the doctor in two seconds of being thrown against a keyboard managed to <laughs> reprogram them um, to look for two hearts as well. well. He is just that clever. Yeah. Um but yes, I, I that was funny. In the flashback, basically, when he was as Nardole is running away, they uh, he's thrown up against a, a keyboard and changes one variable, which is how many hearts defines a human, and says that it, it's now not just one; it's one or two, I guess, because it's they also want to come find humans, but they're also going to come find time lords. It's it's a you know it's a cheap. Uh, trick to get the to get the cliffhanger resolved yeah personally i'd have set it to zero or something yeah right then they wouldn't have attacked anyone they can't find any humans at all they'd just be kicking like doors and boxes and other inanimate (laughs) objects anything without a heart but then we uh, wouldn't have a story so or bacteria like they they just get a toothbrush out and start cleaning them lower level set it to three and then some random aliens will be uh, attacked (laughs) why do you hate us um the uh you missed one thing that i wanted to mention which is the doctor has a nice speech here speaking of dialogue which is directly addressing the fact that doctor who keeps showing us more origins for the cybermen mm, and this yes. is explicitly stating what we already had you know Ru- what russell t davis had really uh, also posited in rise of the cybermen in uh in uh, season two is um he says they always get started. They happen everywhere there's people. The Cybermen happen everywhere there's people. Um, it's all inevitable. Like Donald Trump, <laughs> always read the comments because they're coming for us. <laughs> That's the Cybermen are the comments. So that was that Stephen Moffat making some modern internet commentary, modern political commentary. But I like the idea that the Cybermen are us because, as I was saying last week on the Flashcast, right? I love. 
I love the Cybermen when they are horror movie monsters, when it really gets down to the fact that they are us and we did this to ourselves. And, uh, and so that plays up this part. It's like inevitable that humanity is going to do these terrible things. And it's, this is the, the Cybermen represent the dark side of our humanity and our technology coming together. Yeah. I, I also liked the, there was the line about knock yourself out and, uh, Oh yeah. So Missy, uh, takes it literally and doesn't eat knock out the master and says she was secretly on his side all along and he says is that true and uh it's unclear i believe it um but she says she she implies that when they're they're together their minds are kind of all buzzing around together and it gets a little more confusing I wasn't sure if that was metaphor or there was actually some interaction going on when they were both inhabiting the same space. But, right. She's um, certainly been been uh, shown her old self who she's trying to change from, and that's probably a very difficult thing to do because you can slip so easily back into uh, bad habits. Also, you, did, you neglected to mention that she calls him you silly sausage, which I yes. really... That was one of my favorite things in the whole episode. <laughs> oh, Missy, so great. Um, but Nardol appears on the scene because it turns out it was important that he ran away for plot purposes. He has to find a, uh, a shuttlecraft and, and then he flies that off. Uh, Bill saves the doctor so that they don't run away without the doctor. Um, cyber bill this is, and, uh, and they fly away, uh, and th- that leads to that scene we saw at the beginning, and so we get a two weeks later when they're we and we have now moved house to the uh, the happy farm community of uh, level five hundred and seven of the spaceship. Yes, um, and we have Bill um, who's in a barn mysteriously and looks completely normal, and yeah. then everybody's reacting oddly around her. And I have to say, I did think immediately. Well, I think this is just Bill's impression of what Bill is. Um, yeah, and indeed, she was brought a mirror. But um, it was an effective use, I think, of Pearl Mackey, right? You want to use Pearl Mackey and not a uh, Cyberman that we were told is Bill. So to get her to do that and then actually referencing the plot of the Monks episodes about the mm, fact that she had yes. this sort of powerful self-image and, you know, the voice of her mother and that, that she had used that in a previous episode to so to sort of explain why she was not just following cyber orders, at least for a while, I felt like like that was fair like they could have explained that away away in so many different ways but Mm. they chose something that happened you know four episodes ago and so i feel like that was that was playing fair it feels almost like it was set up although i i doubt it was set up to lead into this as much as it was a useful piece of business that that he could use but it means that we get to see pearl Mackey interact and realize that she's a monster it's a little like that like frankenstein right the discovery that that I'm oh I'm horrible and people want to run away from me and I'm I'm actually a monster. I did like the, there was a very nice shot I thought where uh, she looks at her hand and sees the that it's you know a gloved hand and the camera sort of pans to the hand and then pans back to her face and it's uh, cyber face. Yes, um, I liked that shot a lot. That was a really nice um, a, a really nice camera move to have it have the realization and then there th- throughout I was. I thought they would be, especially given, you know, budgets and things, I thought they would be sticking with, like, 
bill for a scene or cyber bill for a scene mm. and full credit to rachel talalay and you know presumably stephen moffat put some of this stuff in the script too but i really enjoyed that throughout yeah we see bill and we see the cyberman that bill has become kind of interchanged in, across cuts yeah. um i thought that was really cool to you know we know that it's bill and bill knows that it's her but what everybody else sees is a cyberman and occasionally shoots them um yeah occasionally well but they occasionally use the little lamp on their head to blow off the side of a barn so yes. You know, um, oh, and before the barn was blown up, uh, somebody was offered jelly babies, which I, I did appreciate. I, there's a lot of uh, love in this episode, I think, from from Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi for like, let's get some of these references yes. out now before we this leave. This was probably the most reference heavy one that I remember in a, in a, in Capaldi's reign. Anyway. Yeah, I I uh, was I was touched by the scene with with the doctor telling Bill. Um, that she's a cyberman and that her mind is acting like a perception filter, but it won't mm. last. And, and, uh, this is, yeah, you said you could fi- fix this. Uh, she asked him a little bit later and he said, yes. He said, were you lying? He said, no. Were you wrong? And he says, yeah, I was, I yeah. was wrong. I can't, I can't actually fix this. And, and, uh, the cybermen are going to try to take over her, her mind but um he says you're but you're crying and that seems completely unreasonable so where there's tears there's hope which at the time seemed like a touching reference to the tears on the cyberman's eyes and in the end turned out to be yeah. a plot thread <laughs> yes there, there was quite a bit of that um but yes yeah, she she sees her cyber shadow um on the wall right gets a bit angry and that triggers the weapon on on her head and that blows uh, off the side of the as barn. Nardle says somebody broke the barn. Yeah, that's right. Back to work, everybody. So I liked. I mean, this is so one of the things that um, I've I've definitely heard criticism of World Enough and Time from people is the frustration that Bill is um, not not given a lot to do on her own in her time downstairs. She's really just waiting it out passively. And, you know, I don't entirely agree with that because I feel like she realizes she has to wait. And so she's trying to make the best of it and make a life. But, you know, she's basically ultimately following the doctor's orders to wait for, wait for him. And then in the last minute, she is horribly, you know, disfigured into a Cyberman. um, So that presumably so that the doctor could, uh, feel bad and react and for it to be shocking and it's and it's one of these examples of um, a character and in this case uh, a character who is representing a couple of different underrepresented groups on television being almost killed off in order for the lead character to feel something and mm. one of the things I really liked about this episode is that um, it is all about what bill wants and who she wants to be and we get to see pearl Mackey play all of that and kind of come to grips with what's happened to her and i'm interested to see what people who are dissatisfied with last week feel about whether this can repair their feelings about that or whether it offsets it at all but i really thought this was a great performance by her um in a difficult situation because she's conveying like the mind of somebody who's actually in the body of a monster has been horribly uh, altered by these monsters to be one of them, but is still who she is and is trying to make decisions about whether she wants to live or die and how she wants to, um, to behave. And, um, 
and I, I just I thought knowing that this is the last time we're going to see Pearl Mackey, um, I thought she did a great job with a, a very interesting part that gave her a lot more um, uh, agency, a lot, and she was able to be a lot more active as a character in this one than she than to be honest, yeah, than she was really allowed to do in World Enough in Time. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it was interesting that for most of it, we never really saw her talking as the Cyberman. You know, anytime she was having to deliver some emotional dialogue, you know, right. we we got it as her, which makes the decision of doing this, you know, um, really the only way that you could do it. Uh, because if you got all the dialogue she was doing, but in sort of a Nicholas Briggs kind of robot voice, it just wouldn't work at all. I actually think it would be hilarious. And I like there is a moment where she says something and the doctor responds and uh, uh, she says something like, oh, good. Oh, and the doctor says, yes, good. And I, I thought, I bet that, you know, Bill is expressing in all of these wonderful ways by, by Pearl mm. Mackey, all of these feelings that she's got. And then you could just like cut to the Cybermen and it's just sort One of like word. every, every, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. That, that is like, you know, she's like, uh, um, you, you said you could fix this. Were you wrong? And it's like, you, it would just you said you could fix this like it would just be ludicrous so it was those moments when we got the nick briggs cyber voice were um were great but i'm glad they were like little punctuations of but she's still a cyberman um because it it allowed pearl mackie to you know express the core of who bill is and i thought that was really great and she also says she doesn't want to live if she can't be her anymore. Yeah. And makes sure that he knows that. Yeah, the master tries to rub it in and she she says, I'm not going to be angry. And he's like, well, this isn't any fun. But he does say at one point, because um, the doctor makes the mistake of pointing out that Cybermen like children because their brains are malleable. And and then the, the master's like, aha, I can, I can use this to get her, which is basically there's less stuff to to discard <laughs> and she this is just the escalating realization that she can't come back from this that that she's had parts of her just removed and there she can't get them back now yeah and that, the, that there was a line i can't remember who said it and it was the is the future going to be all girl we can that's only uh, hope yeah so that's john john sim says that because they, they call her, uh the cyberman who is bill her oh yes and yes, he's already it. dealing with missy and he says is the future going to be all girl and and uh Peter Capaldi says we can only hope which that to was- me read exactly as a kind of like uh it can't not be uh an accident that there's several lines in this episode about the future being all girl and things I took it as a a pointer to the um next regeneration uh yeah i mean maybe but i i do think it's it's certainly Stephen moffat is going to be able to walk away and say look i laid all the groundwork whatever happens after i did what i i needed to also there's you know there's the whole uh you know the future is female uh movement hashtag all of that i think that's that's thrown in the mix here i did like the um the uh once again trying to restate what actually kind of came out of the 50th anniversary episode and some other previous episodes which is that the timelines are out of sync so because the the john sim is asking michelle gomez why can you not remember this and you know we know this from other multi-doctor episodes that Mm. you've gotta for in order for the characters to behave like characters and not puppets they need to act in the moment and not like know what's to come and so 
you know when you when you leave that moment where they're together you you fail to retain memories of it which means that in the future when you go through it again you don't remember it happening to you before but they restate that here which yeah. is good um and there's another 50th reference which is the um when missy says um well uh, first off he mentions that a, a really mean lady <laughs> he yes. remembers a really mean lady <laughs> it's like well that was that was her um and that uh and that his tardis is broken down on the uh on the bottom floor because he blew the dematerialization circuit and this is one of those things where she pulls out the dematerialization circuit because she remembers that the mean you know when yeah. all this happened and that she she should keep it the mean lady had this conversation with him and said you should always keep a spare around and she's got it and she hands it to him and that's that's where like the sonic screwdriver in the in the uh in the 50th being used from the beginning and you know yes. and then advancing forward to when it can be used or, or the curse of fatal death if you want to look it, at it another it, way it really is it really it, it's amazing how much stuff how many jokes from the curse of fatal death have actually turned into doctor who plot points but this was a uh, this was a a good one i like that because the master's tardis has actually been one of the great mysteries of the show is like what happened to it because obviously when he was left after the time war um he didn't have it and uh and then missy doesn't seem to have one and and so like now we know that john sims master did get one and presumably that one is somewhere but um it's it's left well we should i mean maybe we should talk about it now the fate of the master so toward the end of this episode um missy uh kills john sims master and then is going to send him down to retrieve his tardis and regenerate into her and he shoots her in the back and there's there's those lines about like she says this is where we were always heading is to being like the doctor and he says no um where we was all we were always heading to um you know me killing you (laughs) and she sort of lays down on the in the grass and and or in the in the woods and and smiles as he as he goes off and that's all we get and the implication uh, michelle gomez somebody told me oh she's not coming back it's like i read that interview where she says basically she has a hard time imagining coming back but ask her in a couple of years when things have moved on and it sounded very much like a a non-answer answer to that Mm. question about i doubt that chris chibnall is going to immediately jump to the master so i suspect that maybe we haven't seen the last of michelle gomez and i hope we haven't i i feel like um, I would like to see how that story with the master picks up after I think very clearly Missy deciding to not be uh, to be more like the doctor and less like. But the problem she was. is that the Missy we would see in the future is not that Missy. I think we saw Missy at the point of de- deciding that she was going to be good and then immediately being killed. Whereas, you know, we will reset back to original Missy of um you know when she first turned up maybe i will say and maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part but we know that the master gets out of all sorts of jams and doesn't regenerate because that that happens oh anthony ainley died how many times and he just kept coming back yeah uh but i don't know i had that moment where she's laying there and kind of smiling and i thought I'm waiting for the scene where she just gets back up and says, and that's why I, you know, that's why (laughs) I I disassembled your laser screwdriver and, uh, or what, you know, whatever it is that I I don't entirely believe that she didn't know that was coming and that, that she may not actually regenerate. Um, but she's left in the dirt on the spaceship. 
So I, I was quite disappointed that we didn't end up with two different um, Michelle Gomez missies running around, which is where I thought we were heading because I thought yeah. it would be uh, Stephen Moffat couldn't resist it, much like he couldn't resist the sort of uh, sexual chemistry between the two of them. Um, but uh, I, so I was convinced that she would kill him, which was correct. But then he yeah. killed her as well, which was not what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be one of those. Uh, I'm gonna be a uh, Missy uh, a questioner. Maybe yeah. I'll put it that way. That skeptic. That well, I, I'm not I, convinced that so we didn't see her regenerate. I'm not convinced that she may have been planning well, her escape all said, along. Don't bother trying to regenerate or something because I, you know, shot you with this uh, full strength or something along those lines. There, there was a line about you know that implied that she wouldn't be able to regenerate. Right, which would imply that this is the death of the master, and come on. Yeah, well, not. well, no, of course. Yeah, it's not <laughs> going to be. But um, I, I really do hope we see Michelle Gomez again, because I think, A, she was the sort of perfect foil for Peter Capaldi, especially since the two of them are, as we said, Glaswegian. But uh, I, I can't see them bringing her back. But of course, it's not the end of the master either way. Um, but sure. it, it would be nice if we if she came back and it would be nice if we had two Michelle Gomez's running around just for fun. Hmm. This is true. Well, I, I like I said, I, I doubt that Chris Chibnall, Chris Chibnall is going to go want back to the uh, the master too soon. I feel like I, I take a page from Russell T. Davis here where of all the things to bring back, he was like, yeah, let's wait on the master for a little while. <laughs> and he waited three years before he yeah. did that. I think that was probably the right call. And I think Chris Chibnall is going to take it easy to begin with. We just had a lot of Missy. So yeah. le- just leave it there for a while. Although I do think that if uh, the doctor does become female, I think they would probably flip the master back to male. Could be. But- Could be. In fact, that, my feeling was that um, the if the doctor does regenerate into uh, a woman that missy will be cited as like a reason why like in in world that you could argue that 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 was the inspiration mm. for the doctor doing it but i don't know i i mean if uh the doctor regenerated into michelle gomez i wouldn't complain i have many theories about what is going to happen in the christmas special but maybe we'll save those for the very end yes today so um there is uh basically what happens next is they decide to have a uh uh, basically there's going to be a showdown <laughs> this is this little it's like a very western kind of plot the the mon- the bad guys are coming and they're gonna make their stand in this Do their uh, preparations yeah that's right so they they upgrade nardole like hacks the weapons to upgrade them and they there's a line about how it's a spaceship so underneath is all there's all sorts of pipes and flammable things and all and they're just going to use that to blow up cybermen to explain why they're now suddenly able to detonate these huge yeah. you know bombs that blow up cybermen and uh so they they uh put it together they um they 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 start to do that now what happens is oh and the lady the lady is sweet on um this yes, like sort of school marm is sweet on nardole which is amusing um and yeah so this is the this is like the big scene in this episode is the doctor says this is going to be the last stand we're probably, you know, and the master says, you can't win. And his response is, I know, 
and like this is the doctor being the doctor this this takes us back to when we first saw him with missy this season and in fact he actually says that dialogue later he he recites it without hope without witness without reward mm-hmm. um this is what you do you have to be good and so he he, he does the he tries to get them to turn around and they don't turn around so he he and he's obviously wounded and maybe regenerating already um I hope he doesn't get shot a few more times for good measure. That would be terrible. And yeah. and he, he says, okay, let's have this out once and for all. And he gives the masters the speech, which is, this is not about winning or losing. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's right. This is the charter. This is the statement of the doctor's purpose. It's because it's right and decent and kind. If I run, good people will die. If I stay, maybe some, even just a few, will live for a little while longer. What would you die for? This is where I stand. It's where I fall. Title. I, I wrote stand down. With me. I wrote down proper Capaldi acting at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it. And it's just it's this is a great actor giving a great speech written by somebody who knows the show and the character and has a vision for why the Doctor and does what he does, and we see it on our screens every week. This is the fundamental decentness of him and it is the thing that uh, disappoints him about the master is that this is the person most like him in the universe and this is the thing that the master just doesn't get and and he does the he has his response which is you know see this face this is the face that didn't listen to a word you just said and he's he walks off and he has another go with missy and says stand with me and she looks for a moment like she's going to and she says no but thanks for trying the yeah but again so being a missy uh advocate here i'm gonna say um i I read that, and we did see this later. I read that as being she needs to go deal with herself here, right? And that this is not her repudiating the doctor. This is that she needs to deal with her past self. She knows what needs to happen there. Um, But this is also something that I thought was going to be a callback, and I'm really surprised is not a callback, which is... I thought that at some point, maybe right away or maybe later, Missy would look at the doctor and say this face heard everything you just said i yes i thought that that there was going to be that uh, as well so and it's not in there i mean you can so instead i'll just have to read it into into her into her expressions yes as i could build up my head canon of missy and what she's planning on doing now traveling the universe uh saving people secretly yeah or, or being evil and creating um other cybermen later on and things could be well that 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 is definitely how yeah i was actually thinking why why did missy use the cybermen in that uh season finale a couple of years back and now i'm thinking well inspiration she has a fondness for them. yeah absolutely she's they're they're, they're uh so, close to them just as a mild digression did missy invent cybermen so the parallel the parallel universe or parallel evolution thing suggests no but i would think that this spaceship is essentially a, uh, a a Cyberman factory, but do any of the Cybermen get out of it at any point? Eventually, the spaceship is going to pull away from the black hole, and anybody that's left on board is going to be able to go, you know, wherever they need to go at whenever time they need to go there. So that's a question, is... Um, 
you know, did the Cybermen come from the spaceship or is this just parallel development? What's going to happen to everybody else who's been left on the spaceship? Uh, presumably, you know, we're, we may never see any of them again in this way, but the, it's not like it's a thing that is, uh, going to trap them forever. Like they, they could mm. live their lives there and die, or they could go up to the top level and escape. So, um, you know, and the and the engines are firing to slowly pull them away from the black hole. So I don't know. I um, I do I do wonder about that. Yeah, and I mean, as they say in the episode, you know, they have thousands of years to kind of figure out a way to get out. Um, right. So yeah, yeah. I, I uh, the parallel thing. I think Doctor Who continuity is so convoluted that they basically <laughs> just have to say, look, we're not saying that this is the secret origin of the Cybermen. It's just yet another duplicate the fact that why does the ship have to be from going to mondas then though i i don't i don't even you know i don't know it's weird because yeah they just keep generating advanced versions of the cybermen because they want to use those other suits yes um we saw at least two other versions we had the sort of cybus type ones and we had the um most recent ones as well yeah so i don't know I don't know. Um, I guess there's a lot of headcanon that can be applied to this about like them escaping from the top of the spaceship or the, you know, the, the furthest away from the black hole part. Are they more likely to be able to get out sooner versus um, everybody at the at the other end so that they could they could escape and see the universe with Cybermen? I think I mean, the spaceship concept, it's a really fun concept, but I think Stephen Moffat used it for a few basic plot points and discarded the rest like Mm. there's a lot of complexity here that he doesn't want to deal with um and other than that line about the fact that um you know by the time you got to the top they would have had a thousand years to plan how to stop you uh it's sort of because i kept thinking that the right way to mount an attack since the time dilation is a gradient starting at the bottom where you've got the most time would be to just kind of progressively go up floor by floor by floor and you become more and more powerful with every floor and the people above you don't have as much time to wait for you and that you could just sort of like a wave could move up the ship destroying everything in its path but it's complicated and out of the budget and not the story he wants to tell so we got what we got it's fine they just shoot holes in the ceiling and fly up and fly up yeah sure why take the lifts (laughs) when you can when you can fly up so yeah so the big attack happens the doctor and bill stand together nardole wants to stay and blow up the level while they while they let the uh, kids flee to the uh, level five like five levels up where there's another solar farm um it'll take us years to get back is the line there but nardole is is the one who goes bill stays with the doctor nardole goes with the kids because there's a, and there's a nice moment that is very clearly the doctor and nardole's last scene together right yeah where they argue about what they're going to do and um nardole says that he'd rather be blown up than you know return to a life of crime essentially like i'll set up a black market you know me because when we met nardole he was working on schemes with river song hmm. but um but the doctor basically says, I'm going to stay. Which one of us is stronger? I'm going to stay. You need to go. And uh, and so he makes his way out. And then the last stand happens with the doctor and Bill sort of splitting up, um, saying saying goodbye to one another and, uh, and then trying to kill uh, as many Cybermen as they can. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, and we also had the scene with the hand grenade apple as well. Oh, yes, which which led to that funny line of uh, Nardole says that it's the uh, ultimate Apple upgrade. Yes, which I <laughs> made me laugh anyway. Yeah, Apple joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oh, there was a line uh, as well. We had uh, as uh, Bill sort of semi says goodbye to the doctor. Uh, she says, you know, something about, I'm usually all about women and people my own age, you know, remember that or something, which yeah. again to me said like, you know, is this sort of subtle uh, subliminal advertising for the fact that we're going to get a uh, young female doctor regeneration? I, see, I like that because that was her saying, saying that she appreciates the doctor, even though he's not her type in all dimensions. And yes. that was, a, a, that was sweet. I I think you could read that on multiple levels. And I think, yes, it was probably meant at multiple levels. And it may have even had a third level when we get to the end of the episode. Mm. Um, Yes, holographic storytelling by Stephen Moffat here. um, Uh, So, so yeah, the Doctor blows up a bunch of Cybermen and then gets zapped multiple times by Cybermen. Doctors are not required. Yes. Well, the the Doctor doesn't have a gun. He just... You know, this is the most gun-like that the sonic screwdriver has been because he's basically yeah, tr- running around shooting Cybermen. It's triggering. He's running around triggering explosions that blow up Cybermen, which is not quite the same, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it, um, it, it, a tree a blows up. But, <laughs> what I liked about it is so many, so often in movies and TV shows uh, that are bad, you will get explosions that are from like no, there's no explanation of how there could have been an explosion that big coming from something like you shoot. Uh, you know you shoot something and it explodes it's like what was exploding there how was that possible here it's in the script they say oh well you know it's actually a spaceship and there's pipes and stuff all over and i actually really enjoyed it especially the shot of the tree exploding when the doctor used his sonic on it because it's not wood it's a it's a giant explosion explosive tree sure why not i'm gonna go with it you you play you're playing fair you put that in the dialogue everything on this floor can blow up yeah great let's do it and um, we get the sort of pretty dark thing where he triggers the explosion and it's like um everything is decimated and he looks pretty dead yeah so right before he does that so after the cybermen uh, he says i'm the doctor he's trying to impress them and doctors are not required uh he he says something that's great it's it's a uh it's a reference to i believe the five doctors right it's this dialogue where he says, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm the doctor. The original, you might say. Yeah, well, that, sh- I think there's that line, isn't that at the end of the episode? Or well, it, it, no, oh, no, it no, no. It is repeated at the end yeah. of the episode. See, so Peter Capaldi says it. And I right. think this is a reference to the five doctors, yes, not, the th- right. not the three doctors. I think that's, that's how the first doctor introduces himself in the five doctors. So I thought, oh, well, that's a funny reference. Um, mm. And uh, he's zapped again horribly and decides, uh, basically decides to die. He's like, it's time enough and blows up the whole thing. It is completely destroyed, except that um, that uh, Bill the Cyberman is still walking around as he's laying there. And he says, "This, you know, it's a pity there are no stars. So I'd hope there would be stars. Um, and so the doctor is in bad shape. Nardole and the kids are, meanwhile, homesteading it up five levels, and uh, the kids come to get him and say the food is ready and that the lady is sweet on him, and that's our sort of last moment with Nardole. We leave him, uh, like, homesteading in the solar farm, <laughs> so yes. that's a, a place to put Nardole, I guess. It's a nice kind of uh, 
nice farewell there um and so bill the cyberman finds the doctor laying there to all intents and purposes dead um the doctor has you know he he doesn't want to regenerate basically he just wants it to be over um she cries um her tears drop in a uh a pool of water with a reflection yeah. that, and presumably it's oily too, because this is a spaceship. So it might even be full of spaceship oil. And, yeah. and here we, we get go. A shot of the eye with the little star starburst thing in it. And I was like, ah, they are going exactly there. So exactly there, which I think a lot of us thought when the first episode of the pilot aired that this might be the way Bill leaves this season is that Heather comes back from that episode and picks her up to take her traveling. And um, that that is indeed exactly what happens. I mean, it was effectively another variant on the Clara ending where we had, um, in this case, Heather was clearly the doctor. You know, she could fly a TARDIS and she could do pretty much anything. And well, she, and she and, and she makes the same offer. And, and Bill says, uh, you know, she says, show me, uh, I'll show you around. And Bill says, back in time for tea, which is taking us back again to uh, her initial reactions to the doctor. But what, what Heather is able to do is uh, basically, because she's got this power over matter or whatever it is, is, is reconstitute Bill and make her you know, make her a, a spacefaring whatever like Heather is with the option of turning her back into a human and dropping her back home if she wants. So it's all all the horribleness that's done to Bill is kind of undone here. This is your everybody lives. Speaking of Stephen Moffat moments, like yes. his first Doctor Who story, everybody lives. And he's actually been very reluctant to, to uh, horribly kill characters we love. He doesn't want to do it and he doesn't do it here. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's nice to leave it open and they can have adventures and they can have big finish spinoffs at some point in right. the future. And I'd be quite happy to uh, listen to those oh and, and we get we get a kiss as well which yes um, is important and bill um has the option to be dropped at home as a regular human bill again whenever she wants which she may or may not ever take her up on but um in the meantime they're going to go see the universe so it's really sort of left open to she either keeps traveling the universe with heather using her knowledge picked up from spending time with the doctor she's been the student now she's um practicing uh and if she wants to go home she can go home too so it's all it's all solved that, and, and that she, part and she says i'll show you around yeah, I like that because I, it actually kind of bugged me when Heather was like, I can show you around the universe. I was like, really? Bill's just going to go, you know, have another another mentor showing her around. And Bill's like, I got, I got stuff to show you, too. Yeah. So it's I, yeah. I, and I read that as being that it's a uh, yeah, it's kind of equals because presumably Heather has been traveling around the universe, too. But the, the revelation that I really liked is there is that line in the pilot where um, she says, it's, Bill says, it's not my tears those are heather's tears and that is called back here where she says you know i gave you my tears i know where you are i know when you cry and so she's been watching out for her and that again yes this is a uh uh everybody lives kind of moment but i appreciate it for the fact that the groundwork was laid from the beginning that that again i feel like it's playing fair in doing this because it's uh it's it's using elements that were, were were left uh, as as hooks for this back and, in the first episode of the series and she also cries on the doctor and there's the tear that falls on his forehead and i'm yes, wondering very is, important is that a, a, another tracking tear left you know uh leaving things open for you know her, her right is is bill going to be the doctor's guardian angel a little bit it's possible also the implication is that the that the tear is really the thing that um brings him 
back to life that he yes. he was he had given up but she's given him a uh a little burst of life to rethink what he wants to do and so they they say goodbye and and walk out of the tardis which is very nice yeah. back in time for tea if you want heather says if you want and uh but we get that the tear on the doctor where there's tears there's hope which he said to bill earlier and here it comes all the way back around And then the doctor with some sort of regeneration energy teardrop business happens, pops up and starts to relive moments of regeneration from the past. He says something about the Centaurans, um, which is Tom Baker's first line or something. There was that I don't want to go, which was David Tennant. So Um, I'll I'll never forget uh, when the doctor was me, me, which is Matt Smith's last line. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the flashbacks of all the, well, not all, but a, a large number of companions from the new series basically it's everybody um from the new series more or less um saying doctor which is a callback that felt very much like the peter davison regeneration where yeah everybody from that era pops up and says don't die doctor except for the master who says die doctor <laughs> i love that um and uh and the tardis is going and uh the tardis is taking the doctor somewhere and he won't have it the tardis stops and it, and it really stops like it feels like it's almost shutting down it has come to a halt somewhere and he says, I don't want to change again, never again. I can't keep on being somebody else. And this is, I remember from that Stephen Moffat interview at the beginning of the year, I think this is exactly the emotional moment that he wanted to end on, which is the doctor in abject despair. It's not just that he is uh, miserable. It's that he doesn't want to go on living at this point. This is this is his darkest moment. Um, he He represses his regeneration and steps outside as he leaves the cloister bell of the TARDIS rings, which I always find very uh, uh, evocative. And he does the scene from the first scene of the first episode of, uh, or of this two parter, which is no. And he like uh, sticks his fists in the snow to cool them off. So he doesn't regenerate or something like that. He doesn't want to change. And then we get the much rumored, um, but still, I think nobody really knew for sure moment where out of the snow and the mist comes a gentleman who says this whole thing is uh, ridiculous. The uh, I'm the you know I'm the doctor, the original, you might say, and it's David Bradley as the first doctor, and that's the cliffhanger that ends series ten of Doctor Who. Woo. Yeah. And I mean, I I was half expecting it because also the sort of the regeneration in the snow after Mondasi and Cybermen just yeah. was bringing up uh, the first Doctor very much. And even like, I think it was earlier today, those pictures from the filming of the Christmas special um, where they it's had a, like some somebody yeah. far off in the distance who might possibly be David Bradley. L- looked a lot like a William Hart- Hartnell uh, hair hairdo, yes. and the um and I've been saying all this season, especially early on, a lot of William Hartnell references. Um, early on, picture of Susan, 
Um, th- there have been references, and I felt like part of that was that Stephen Moffat has sort of been thinking that with the new regeneration cycle, like that that Peter Capaldi is the new first Doctor um, mm. in a way, and that he's been trying to draw links there. And here we see it has reached its ultimate end, which is the twelfth Doctor and the first Doctor are meeting face to face. And there's a question about like, is this in his mind? Is this real? I kind of want to think that it's almost happening in the middle of the tenth planet. Yeah, where William Hartnell goes off before he regenerates. He's he's off because he was he was ill at the time, and they had fired him. So it's like doubly not great. Um, he he's off screen for um, a bunch of moments in that story, and it's entirely possible that um, Peter Capaldi is meeting the the first Doctor, played by David Bradley here, who played him in Adventure in Space and Time, the movie about the early days of Doctor Who. Um, He's meeting the first doctor is meeting the 12th doctor just before the first doctor is about to regenerate for the first time. And that's really interesting if that's what the the story is, at least in part of the Christmas special. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Have have they said anything or have there been any references to what uh, who else might be in the Christmas special? No, nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's been... Because I, I know there's been shots from filming turning up, but I don't yeah. think anybody said, oh, and there's, there's um, you know, Daleks or, or something yeah. like that. Or Cybermen. Even. Or Cybermen. Or, yeah. I mean... I think I think what, what Stephen Moffat's getting at here is that he wants this to be the story of the Doctor, the 12th Doctor, realizing that he does want to go on, and he's got a reason to live. And that's the uplifting story for Christmas, and I think that's good. We we didn't have the doctor die at Christmas. The doctor has received his lethal dose of Cybermen zapping mm. uh, already. And so the Christmas special is about him deciding that he wants to live. And that's, I think, a much better message, a much nicer message for Christmas Day and a nice way to go out. And I have seen people, I, I mean, I think there's a, an interesting theory that in the Christmas carol spirit that you might have a past doctor and a future doctor Mm. along with the present doctor um uh, my wacky theory is that we might see a future doctor who is not the 13th doctor but a undefined far future doctor who never has to return to the show sort of like the war doctor except from later instead of from wedged into continuity and then they could they could cast anybody to be that which is one of my theories about why nobody to this point really knows for sure who the next doctor is, is I think maybe there's some confusion because there are more than one actor. So they could be casting multiple doctors. Exactly. They could be casting the doctor, but you're not the, you're not the Chris Chibnall series lead. We've got good news for you. You're the, you've been cast as a doctor. The bad news is you're in one episode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chris Marshall, who's one of the rumored people, it could be that they did cast Chris Marshall and he's in the Christmas special as a future doctor and he's not the Chris Chibnall doctor. He's another future doctor who's ginger. So that would be good news. Eventually he'll get to be ginger. Um, and that then it might be Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is the 13th doctor or vice versa, right? It, it, yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past Moffat, especially since to get back to Curse of Fatal Death, like there are like five regenerations in the Curse. Yeah, if he uses that same gag again, and we have, you know, Joanna Lumley and and various... um, And Hugh Grant. Yes. I I would laugh, but I, I don't... Yeah, I don't think he should plumb all the all the yeah. material he wrote before but um, i i felt for a long time that in a in a multi-doctor story one of the great things to do would be to have a doctor who we haven't met yet 
who's mm. maybe even that we never do meet, but is from way off in the future. And he did, he touched on this with the all 13 moment in the 50th and with the Tom Baker moment in the 50th. But yeah. I think it would be interesting to have another one of these kind of one-off doctors that's from a time that we haven't yet seen, who is also explaining to Peter Capaldi, uh, why he has to go on as well as the the going back to basics with the first doctor so i i don't know i mean you still have to tell a story so what is that story and is it really this is this is your life doctor mm. like why why are you going to carry on i don't yeah, know yeah I, I mean i think that uh i think we've said before about stephen moffat possibly having a big checklist of the things that he wants to do <laughs> and so you know you've got one more episode so the, the so what's the, left the future doctor uh, incarnation turning up would be a, a, a good one um yeah i mean i think what the I'm I'm wondering with the all the references to the the female doctor. I mean, because there's been not just the things in this episode that I think were probably a reference to. You know, is the future going to be all female? We can only hope. Um, that they're going to go with the the female um, regeneration. I mean, I, I I can't see unless like Stephen Moffat is saying, you know, I'm just going to you know, put all this stuff in the episode and sort of force their hand. I, I wouldn't See, imagine it works like that. That's that's my theory, is that this is Stephen Moffat making it impossible to claim that they didn't hire a woman for the part because of the canon, um, which I think doesn't preclude Chris Chibnall from being from hiring or having the BBC tell him he has to hire a man. I, well, I, I it, do... I. You know, I, I don't know if the BBC is going to say, no, 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 Stephen, back off of all this woman stuff because we don't want to cast a woman. Um, nor do I think Stephen Moffat's storytelling is going to be affected that much by, like, knowing. I'm not sure he even knew when he wrote this what Chris Chibnall's plans were. So I think he just sort of wanted to lay it out so there could be no more excuses. Yeah, I think I, I would be pretty disappointed if, the we, you know, we ended up with a female Doctor Who in the Christmas special, but who was the future incarnation that we well, know, would never see again if i if i had to guess that would actually probably be my guess is that a future doctor would be a woman and so we know it happens eventually but that's something that stephen moffat has the power to do because it's internal to his episode Mm -hmm. and then chris chibnall can go off and do whatever he wants and so maybe it is somebody like phoebe waller bridge or olivia coleman who we see in um in the Christmas special, if there is a future doctor, this is totally just a wild theory. Hmm. Um, and then, and then it turns out, no, it's, it's really Chris Marshall. Yeah, the white that, guy. that would be, that would be very poor. So I hope it's not that. I but. hope it's, I hope it's not that either. I actually just saw, this is totally off um, a, on a tangent, but I, I was watching, I, I was just watching Phoebe Waller bridge and Broadchurch and, uh, and Fleabag and mm-hmm. thinking um, I could see it. I can see why people have suggested that she might be a good actor for the doctor because I can see it. She's, um, she's just kind of weird enough mm-hmm. that I, I, I think that it works, but I don't know. We have one more, one more hour with Peter Capaldi at least. And David Bradley is the first doctor. I wonder what that will be like. This is not breaking new ground. They had an actor, Richard Herndall play the first doctor in the five doctors. So it's not a, a, a new thing. And of course, um, David Bradley played this part because he played William Hartnell in an adventure in space and time. So it's uh, at the time, I think everybody thought maybe he would appear in the 50th special as well. And that didn't happen, but 
Yeah. Here he is. Again, consulting the big list of uh, ideas to be done before the end of his tenure. Um, yeah. But they were saying that, you know, that this regeneration is going to be a different kind of re- regeneration, was the Stephen Moffat quote. And the way I can see it, as you say, is he accepts the need to regenerate, but he actually does it willingly. And, you know, it's not the sort of, I'm going through terrible pain because I've just been shot and I'm dying. And now I'm going to do the energy thing. And, but this is a, you know, a, a chosen kind of thing. Well, and- well, it sounds to me, I mean, given what he gets through in this episode, he, he has to either regenerate or die, but yes. he's chosen to die. Yeah. And in the Christmas special, he chooses to live and that, and then regenerates. And that is, yeah, because we've seen his method, presumably, unless there's a, a trick, we've seen the, why the 12th Doctor dies. He's shot many times by Cybermen. Yeah. And uh, and while trying to defend innocent people, and uh, now he just has to decide where where he goes next, and does he does he change again? What is I mean, with these doctors not wanting to change? Come I mean, on, it's get a with bit, the program. It is a bit like the David Tennant thing of you know he yeah. got his lethal dose and then went on and had one more adventure. Exactly, so, exactly right. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm. I'm well, I, I think this episode paled somewhat in comparison to the previous episode, just because that was so good. But there was lots of little things in it that I liked. And uh, I'm I'm still sad that Peter Capaldi's going. Yes, I agree. I agree. I would like to have seen some more master business than maybe there was. Hmm. Um, just to get John Sim back. And, and I, I could have done with a little bit more of him but then again given the situation they're in um where they're kind of on the same side uh it, yeah it's a difficult it's a difficult challenge there i you know he stephen moffat had his list of things that he needed to have happen in this episode and they all happened and and there was you know there was a lot i know it's an hour long it's a, a long episode yes. longer than usual so um yeah, I I thought I actually think this was a good season finale because a lot of the uh, Doctor Who season finales have um, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, they're usually uh, sort of the the massive universe ending uh, yes. things, whereas this is you know we're talking sort of twenty thirty people and some kids might die, perhaps Cybermen escape out into the universe, but it's not like. Um, it was it was smaller stakes than we're used to for a season yeah. finale, and I'm okay with that. And I I, I feel like it be, it benefited from from that. I was I was okay. There was still some spectacle, but there were a lot of character moments and dialogue, and and uh, that worked for me. And not as good as part one, but um, but but good. And with a, a heck of an ending and some really great Peter Capaldi speeches. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, in uh, in six months. We'll be back. We shall find out what the BBC have allowed Chris Chibnall to do. Yes, I suppose. I suppose we will. Um, you know, presumably, presumably they won't just have a big burst of orange fire and then say to be <laughs> continued. Say, see you in 2018 or 19 yeah. or whatever it does. Whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well. That's until then. James, thank you so much for discussing uh, the uh, season finale. A, a pleasure. A pleasure to be on so many times this season as well. Yes. Very nice. Well, we had to get... It's it's all coming up Glasgow right now, yes. so we had to do it. Um, and I don't get on next time unless they cast another Glaswegian, so we'll, well see. Never say never. Never <laughs> say never. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Or it'll be the, the entire cast of Broadchurch is the new Doctor <laughs> Who. Who knows? One after uh, the other. 
Well, I mean, David Bradley was in Broadchurch, too. It's just a, there aren't that many actors in Britain, that it turns out. Yes. All right. Thanks to everybody out there who has been listening to these weekly recaps. We appreciate you listening, too. I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'll return to discuss. We'll do a season wrap-up on the incomparable of the entire season. And, of course, it wouldn't be Christmas without a Doctor Who podcast. So we'll see you at Christmas for the last Oh no, don't go. Uh, Peter Capaldi. Until then, bye everybody. Doctor Who Flashcast on the Incomparable. Doctor Who Flashcast. Doctor Who Flashcast. Doctor Who.